0: Everybody, another edition of Jamal about sports coming to you on a Wednesday evening, March twenty, uh, March, February twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. About to put Feb in the rear view, kick it into March and spring and Major League Baseball, the Masters and. NFL Draft, the Combine, all kinds of good sports stuff coming up That of course was Houdini with Funky Beat Kicking off the show Been on a bit of a rap jag lately As I've been reading uh, the uh, exceedingly interesting uh, Beastie Boys book um, Big, thick, hardcover book Lots of pictures um, But uh, if you are a Beastie Boys fan I uh, recommend, can't recommend it highly enough Outstanding. Written by uh, the surviving members Michael Diamond and Adam Horowitz. You may know them better as Mike D and the King at Rock. Of course, uh, as we've chronicled here on the show uh, with AG, of course the untimely passing of uh, MCA, better known as Adam Yauch, uh, a few years ago to... uh, To mouth cancer Uh, But in any event, we've got a big show to get to It's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these So, happy to be back in the saddle again We've got a little NFL as the uh, combine kicks off this week Which of course then will lead to the draft Uh, AG and I are uh, hard at work scouting He probably harder at work than I I actually really haven't gotten around to my scouting As much as I would like to yet Uh, But we'll do a pre-draft and a post-draft show for you Uh, We've got NBA And uh, we start actually though With Major League Baseball a little bit It's been a while So, uh, you know, look um, The big Big, uh, I guess, move recently Manny Machado signing with, of all teams The Padres uh, 10 years, $300 million Now, uh, I've Said on this show in prior years uh, Manny Machado is a transformational player Uh, I thought that before Last year Then, clearly, uh, the postseason uh, comments after he got traded to the Dodgers. He's not Johnny Hustle. Certainly, his behavior in the playoffs, several dirty plays or plays that certainly borderlined on being dirty. Now, that I'm less concerned about, frankly. Because if you're a fan of a team that has a guy that plays on the edge like that, you like that guy. You don't care. So, that's really kind of irrelevant. But the whole, I'm not Johnny Hustle comment. Are you going to pay this guy $300 million over the next 10 years? Is, uh, it's problematic, I would say. And, you know, he seems like he's a little goofy. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a bad guy necessarily, but he seems a little goofy, a little out there. Uh, look, the guy's a tremendous... And, and here's the, the one thing I will say. He did agree to play third base for the Padres. There was a lot of talk, of course, when the Mets were involved that he would only play shortstop. And he is a great fielding third baseman. He is not a great fielding shortstop. So... You know, look, his defense at third is probably rivaled only by Nolan Arenado, who just signed a huge extension with the Rockies. Um, they're the two best fielding third basemen in baseball. I know everybody loves this Matt Chapman guy who came out of nowhere with Oakland, and he's very good, but Machado and Arenado are the two best in the, in the league. It's not even close. I mean, maybe Chapman's close, but, I mean, he's, he's a premier gold glove every year third baseman, Machado. The offense is very good. It's not great. And remember, he played in a hitter's paradise in Camden Yards Now, he was decent in the playoffs for the Dodgers He wasn't great, but he was decent um, He was okay in the World Series, not great um, Actually, wasn't very good in the World Series He was pretty good in the playoffs and wasn't very good in the World Series uh, You know, look, that's, that's dicey, right? You know, I, I've talked about this a million times. Baseball is unlike any other sport. It's such a long season. You, they play so many damn games that, you know, to, to, to try to distill a guy down and base their worth purely on what they do in the postseason is folly. You know, you, so you're going to negate a guy that helped you get to the playoffs over the course of 162 games and played great, and then he had, you know, a bad 25 at-bats? Because that's that could that's what a playoff series can be. Right? You play four games, six games, four at-bats. Again, that's 24 at-bats. Now, look, of course you want your superstar players to perform in the clutch and, in the, and on the highest level, which is the playoffs and then hopefully the World Series. I get all that, but it often does not happen that way. You know, We can go all the way back to Dave Winfield when I think he went one for 21 in the World Series for the Yankees. And then then the then George Steinbrenner derisively dubbed him Mr. May. I mean, you know, look, David Wright was a disaster in two thousand and six for the Mets in the playoffs. A disaster. He was horrible. But he also happened to have a great, you know, to be fair, and I'm listening I'm not exactly a Mr. David Wright guy, as you well know, you know. But to be fair to him, he had a great year in 06 and was a big reason why the Mets won over hundred games and, and made the playoffs that year, won the division. But Look, the the history the the, the 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 argument against these long-term contracts is overwhelming. I mean, there's no way that these deals this deal's going to work out for the Padres long-term. No way. I mean, look, they gave Haz Hos- I, I I called it I called my shot on the Hosmer deal last year before the season even started. It was a ridiculous deal. Hosmer's a nice player, he's not anywhere near worth eight million, eight 8 years and 145 million whatever he got last year. I and mean, he had a horrible year for the Padres. I mean, look, look. I've I've made fun of the Padres for years on this show. They're the only other team other than the Mets that are more of a joke in the National League, as far as I'm concerned. And I keep hearing about this great farm system. The Padres. I don't I don't want to hear it. I don't care about the Padres' supposed farm system. Call me when you got something. Win, be over five hundred once in the last fifteen years, Padres, for me to think twice about you. They're a joke. Changing uniforms every two years I, I mean, they're, look, other than their very nice ballpark they play in They're an embarrassment, the Padres And signing Eric Hosmer last year did, did, didn't do a damn thing for them They stunk again last year So, basically what they've done is they've doubled down now And they've given Machado 10 years, 300 million I'm going to go on record right now There is no way Manny Machado Plays out that contract in San Diego Not a chance, not a chance I understand he's only 26 years old Not a chance, he's still with the Padres 10 years from now, not a chance He'll either be out of baseball or on another team And the Padres will be paying him to go away Guarantee you I mean, just look around I mean, the David Price deal I mean, look it, it, it worked out last year If the Red Sox could get rid of him They'd get rid of him tomorrow And I understand one's a pitcher and one's a position player But my point is These long-term deals I mean, look at the, the Yankees' Jacoby Ellsbury You think they'd like to have that one back? Look at the Marlins Gave Stanton that ridiculous deal They shipped him over to the Yankees And I understand the Yankees are paying him You think the Yankees wouldn't love to get rid of Stanton right now? He had an okay year for them I understand that He's not a bad player But he's not worth $30 million a year Whatever the hell it is he makes I'm sure the Yankees would have much rather not have Stanton on a team than they could go make a run at Bryce Harper right now, who is perfect for Yankee Stadium, you know, with the short porch and right field, and is younger. So, I mean, these long-term deals are always a bad idea. That's why you've seen now it took this long for Machado to even go to a team that's desperate like the Padres are trying to make themselves relevant. Guess what, Padres? You're still irrelevant. <laughs> You're only relevant unless you win And you're always going to be Second class citizens behind The Dodgers And then sometimes even the Angels Even though they're in the American League and you're in the National League But Southern California And you're always going to be behind the the Giants too The Giants have a pedigree And they have a history And they're usually always very good And they have recent success And they have a great manager in Bruce Bochy And the Dodgers, same thing And the Dodgers, of course, recently Have been excellent so, you know, look, I mean, it's not my money. I mean, I don't care. Go ahead and spend all the money you want, San Diego. But, you know, other than Ron Burgundy, I don't think anybody is all that excited about Manny Machado playing with the, for the Padres. And, you know, it's funny. You go on Mets Twitter uh, or on Twitter and you see the Mets fans are apoplectic. Mostly, I'm guessing these are mostly young Mets fans. But apoplectic, the Mets aren't making a run at Machado, not making a run at Bryce Harper. And nobody kills the Pons more than I do. I have no problem with the Mets not making a run at either. Now, you could make the argument that they should make a run. They could have made a run at Machado because third base is a position in need. You know, listen, Todd Frazier, please, goodbye. Uh, we'll get to the Mets in a little bit. And I understand they signed Jed Lowry, and he's been a nice player, very good player, played great for the A's last year, always been a clutch hitter, he's a grinder, can play all over the infield, the Mets are going to have him play a lot of third base. Uh, He's 35 years old. So, you know, they gave him a two-year, $20 million deal, not obviously breaking the bank. Again, I like the player, you know, 35, he's already got a minor knee thing right now, we'll see, again, people are going crazy about it, everybody relax, it's February. Even if he misses the first two weeks of the season, who cares? It's fine. I mean, do, you know, it's so funny. The way spring tra- training gets covered now, I think I may have even spoken about this last year. It's it's ludicrous. I mean, the, the, the internet and social media have made sports coverage in general is completely out of whack. I mean, I remember the days when spring training barely warranted a mention Nobody paid attention to what anybody did in spring training, particularly veteran players. The veteran pitcher had a 9 ERA, but that pitcher was a good pitcher. Nobody blinked, nobody cared. The flip side of that, if you were a good hitter, if the guy was a career 3. You know, if Keith Hernandez went, you know, had, had hit 200 in spring training, nobody cared. Now, all of a sudden, these things are focused on every day because every baseball writer that covers the Mets has to get their Twitter stuff out there. They got to get it out there. So we have to have the sky is falling. that Todd Frazier has an oblique strain and uh, Jed Lowry's got a, a minor knee irritation. So now, all of a sudden, because it's February, the sky's falling somehow. I mean, it's ridiculous, this coverage. It's absurd, And by the way, Mets fans on Twitter, you can't have it both ways. You can't rip Todd Frazier, which I'm all for, because he's not very good. And the guy never saw a microphone he didn't love. So it's a little irritating. I mean, I, I get he's a good guy, all that. I'm nothing against, But it's a little irritating when you're not very good and you never shut up. But putting that aside... You can't say, oh, we hate Todd Frazier and we want to sign Manny Machado, but then we're all up in arms that Todd Frazier might miss some time with an injury. Can't have it both ways. I mean, Todd Frazier p- potentially missing some time, not a big deal. The guy had a 690 OPS last year. And I understand he's been better than that in prior years. Okay, I'm going by what he did for the Mets last year. one very good. So... uh. Anyway, Bryce Harper's still out there. I'm fine with the Mets not signing him. You could have made the argument Manny Machado made sense, but again, I'll, I'll say the same thing. You think he's going to play out that contract? If, if if the Mets would have given him 300 million for 10 years, he'd finish that. Con- he'd see that contract through. No way, not a chance. Not a chance. And again, you want to give 300 million dollars to a guy who says I'm not exactly Johnny Hustle. I mean, think about just think about this for a second, Mets fans, please. Let's try to be rational. And again, nobody dislikes the Wilpons more than I do as far as the way they run their team. But let's just say for argument's sake, the Mets would have signed Machado at 10 years, 300 million. And let's just say for argument's sake, you know gets off to a slow start, right? It's cold. Mets, you know, the the, the idiots in the scheduling department in Major League Baseball have the Mets opening up on East Coast games. For some reason now, baseball has to start in late March, regular season. I have no why. I have no idea why. And they, they they still can't figure out that if you have East Coast teams that they should be playing open up their season on the West Coast or against teams that play in domes. Like, if you're the Mets and you want them to start off with National League games, how, how about they open up in Milwaukee that has a, a dome? So whether it's not an issue. Or have them play out in Arizona, or LA, or San Diego, or San Francisco, where the weather's bound to be pretty nice. Or Toronto, even, if you want to open up with idiotic interleague play. They have a dome. Or Texas, or Houston. No. No, 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 no. Let's have the Mets open up against, what, the Nationals, or something stupid like that. Anyway, but let's just say for argument's sake... Machado signed with the Mets for 10 years, $300 million. And he gets off to a two for a 30 start. It's cold. It's dreary. Mets off to a slow start. And, you know, there's a situation where he doesn't hustle on a ground, on a, on, you know, first and third, one out. And he doesn't hustle and gets doubled up. And instead of a run scoring, the Mets lose by one because he doesn't hustle. Do you, can you imagine the hue and cry can you imagine the howling by Mets by Mets universe, by Mets fans everywhere about Manny Machado? He's a bum. Let's get him out of here. I can't believe we're paying this guy $30 million a year. I mean, because you know that's what would happen. And it'd be on the back page of the Post. You know, there'd be some, you know, some snarky play on words back page headline. Right. No man do. No can do. Man do. Say, yeah, something dumb like that. Right So uh, I have no problem With the Mets Not making a run at him I have no problem With the Mets Not making a run At Bryce Harper I happen to think Michael Conforto Is going to have A monster year And listen I'm not saying Bryce Harper Is not a good player And I get he's also 26 But Bryce Harper Has been on some Very good teams With the Nationals Very good teams Max Scherzer uh, Strasburg Gio Gonzalez Um, Zimmerman in the lineup Uh, Adam Eaton Uh, Anthony Rendon Denard Spann in years past Now they have Trey Turner I mean, they've had good lineups They've had good pitching The bullpen's always been their bugaboo we talked about that for years now But, you know, look that's, those have been good teams, and they have underachieved every single year. The Mets came from behind and overtook them in 15. They can never get out of their own way in the playoffs. They've gone through three managers since he's been there, I believe, right? Matt Williams, Dusty Baker, and now they're on their third, and Dave Martinez. So, Bryce Harper's so great. Why don't the Nationals ever do anything with all that talent there? And I listen, I get it. Baseball... Nine guys, twenty-five man. T- I understand it's not like basketball where one guy can make that big a difference. But again, this guy's such a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime player. Why don't the Nationals win more? Again, it's not like he's been on crap teams like Mike Trout has out in, in, in Anaheim or Orange on the Orange County Angels. All right, he's been on very good teams and they have not done a whole hell of a lot. I mean, that team won eighty-two games last year. That's a joke. And he seems like he's a little bit of a tool. And again, so I'm fine with the Mets not signing him. I think Michael Conforto is going to have a year that rivals Bryce Harper's this year. I really do. Think about it. Michael Conforto had about as bad a first half as you can have last year. And he finished with 28 home runs and 80-something RBIs and an, uh, an OPS of in, in, in the mid eights and that was coming off a major major shoulder injury where his arm his sh- basically arm flew out of its socket on a swing the year before an injury that really nobody had ever seen before and so predictably he was terrible in the first half of the year but when he finally got his groove back he was tremendous in the second half of the year. And now you put Cano in that lineup, who can still hit, by the way. And uh, Wilson Ramos, who can hit. And Lowry, who can hit. And now you surround it. And Nimmo in front of him, getting on base every time you turn around. Confort is going to have a monster year. I'm saying it right now. What is this? February 27th. Now, of course, this is the kiss of death. I just. Sorry, Michael. I'm sorry. I mean, every now and then I get one of these right, though. I, I feel good about this one. Uh, so yeah, listen. You know, I have no issues, none. I actually kind of like what the Mets did this off season. Now it's a little bit of a risk because they they're, they're banking on some guys that are you know 30 and older. Um, but what I will say is this: you know, Frazier going down shouldn't be the end of the world. They've got Jeff McNeil to back up. They've got maybe this kid JD Davis that they traded for from the Astros who's 25, who hit 345 at triple A last year. You know, he didn't do much in the majors but he didn't get much of a chance. He's blocked by Alex Bregman, one of the better third basemen in the league up and coming. You know, he's blocked, and he can play a little outfield, but, you know, they had Marvin Gonzalez to back up every position out there. And then, you know, they got Josh Reddick, and they've got Springer. I mean, look, the Astros are stacked. Team is stacked. So, you know what? I like Brody Van Wagen in taking a shot on this kid. This kid who's highly regarded, kind of plateaued, maybe change of scenery will do him good. he has got a pretty good bat. It's better than Eric Campbell who was always the Mets' answer when things went wrong on the infield. You know, they signed Adeni Echevarria. Is he a great hitter? No. But he's also not an automatic out. I mean, I understand he has no power, but he's also a phenomenal glove man. And so if anything were to happen to Ahmed Rosario or when he might need a blow, you can put Echevarria at shortstop, and at at the very least, you know he's going to give you superior defense at shortstop. That means something. You know, listen. I like his Drupal Cabrera. He's a nice player for the Mets. The guy was shot. He could hit. He could not field at all. Couldn't get to anything. You know, getting Wilson Ramos is a great move. Guy was a Mets killer for years. He's a solid catcher. Yeah, he's a big lumbering guy. Okay, whatever. He's a catcher. Guy can hit. He plays 120 games That's fine They brought back Devin Masarocco Is he great? No But he's a major league Quality catcher Sure he's going to hit 220 But he's got power And he can catch DeGrom loved throwing To him last year You know how much better Devin Masarocco is Than Kevin Ploiecki I mean it's like Night and day So they've actually The Mets actually have major league capable players now In backup roles Whereas During the Sandy Alderson era They never did Depth was always a major, major issue. It was always these 4A type guys that would get called up, stink up the joint, and get sent down for a guy just like him. Same thing. It was a constant cycle. So, you know what? If Todd Frazier plays, you know, gives you 350 at-bats in a part-time role and hits you 15 home runs, are that's fine. If he's splitting time and Lowry's getting 500 at bats and McNeil plays, you know, some apparently they want McNeil to play a lot in the outfield to start. Okay, I'm fine with that. I've watched a couple of spring training games. He looks perfectly fine in left field. He's not a Gold Glover. He's not Carl Jastrzemski, but he's going to be fine. And Nimmo will be fine in center field. And Conforto is an above average right fielder. And then you've got Lagaris and Keon Broxton, who's another savvy move by Van Wagenen. This is a guy who's very toolsy, as they like to say. He had a horrible year with Milwaukee last year, but he had a very good year with—not a very good year, but he had a decent year with him the year before. He hit 20 home runs, stole over 20 bases. He's a phenomenal outfielder. You know, he's very similar to Lagarus in that he's a very good fielder, not much of a bat. Lagarus probably hit for a higher average. Broxton's got more power. You know what? That's a good thing to have two guys like that on on the bench. When's the last time the Mets had two guys that could actually run and field? with some athleticism on the bench, maybe forever. I mean, it's been a long time. Maybe when they had Roger Cedeno and Andy Chavez. I mean, it's been a while. I like that. So that's your fourth and fifth outfielder. And then maybe you got Gregor Blanco, maybe Rajai Davis in AAA. If somebody gets hurt and goes out for an extended period of time, those guys are not great, but they're majorly quality players. It's a lot better than Matt Dendecker and Kirk Neuenheis. Put it that way. I understand Neue had a huge home run against the Nationals in 05, in in 15. But, you know, and I always liked the guy, and the guy played hard. But, you know, the bottom line, he just wasn't that good. Listen, the key with the Mets is Edwin Diaz, who we talked about and profiled on the show last year as a sleeper star when he was with Seattle. He's not going to have 51 saves again. But he's got to be really good. He's the closer they got in the Cano trade. Cano's got to be healthy and play 140 games and hit 300 and do you know do his normal two ninety to three ten, you know, with home runs, doubles, and RBIs and a high on base percentage. But that pitching has to stay healthy. Starting pitching needs to stay healthy. Closer needs to be good. I think the bullpen's going to be good. I like bringing Familia back as the eighth inning guy. And then when Diaz needs a blow, or if, God forbid, Diaz has a minor injury, has to miss two weeks on the DL, now you have a guy who saved 51 games for you a few years ago, and Familia moves into the closers role. You're not scrambling. And Lugo and Gesellman should be good in that setup role. Justin Wilson, a lefty that they signed, he's not great, but he's pretty good. He's had a track record of success in the major leagues. He's an improvement, I think, over Jerry Blevins. So, look, not, not a lot of earth-shattering moves, but a lot of moves. And, again, really improved the depth of this team. So, I think they've done a pretty good job. Now, I'd like to see them do an extension with DeGrom because, you know, the Mets are – I mean, look, this is the thing that drives Mets fans crazy about the Wilpons. The Mets are getting away with murder right now. I mean, you have – DeGrom is making $17 million this year. Okay, that's still under market value compared to – if you look around a league. I mean uh, – Patrick Corbin just got, you know, 20 something million plus a year from the Nationals. It's a nice pitcher. He's not in Jacob deGrom's class. You know, we already talked about Price is making a ton of dough. Scherzer's making a ton of dough. Scherzer's worth it. He's great. But, you know, they're still getting a, a, a bit of a discount with, with deGrom, certainly with Syndergaard. I mean, Thor is a monster. For, but, but by the way, all those articles in the offseason about possibly trading Thor to San Diego for some prospect. I mean, that was maybe the dumbest idea I've ever seen. I mean, do you understand that this guy went 13-4 and four on a terrible team last year, supported by terrible defense, had, had the, the foot and mouth disease, had the finger issue, and still went 13-4 and four with a 3 ERA on a bad team? He's, what, 26, and he makes like $5 million. I mean, he's a steal. He's a steal. Wheeler's a steal. If Wheeler pitches like Wheeler did in the second half of last year. And even at $17 million, which is what DeGrom got in arbitration, still undervalued. Not a steal, but it's still a below market value. So, you know what? I understand DeGrom is going to be 31 32 by the time his contract is up. You know what? Do an extension Three years, $90 million, call it a day. Three years, $90 million. It's not the end of the world. It's a ton of dough. He gets to stay here. He gets to hedge against the fact that teams are, not, are, are now finally starting to figure out that you don't give anybody, particularly pitchers that are 30 or older, five-plus-year deals for, t- for tons of money. Nobody's doing that anymore. I think that would be a perfect solution and, and a fair deal for both sides. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with some NFL right after this. All righty, we're back here on a late March edition. Late March. I keep saying March. It's February, (laughs) dum-dum. Late February edition of Jamal About Sports. Just talks to Major League Baseball. Now we will get to the NFL as the Combine starts this week. The Underwear Olympics, as we call it. Um, Look, this is what you do with the combine Combine, if you're going to pay attention If you're a draft Nick, the combine should be Used for a couple of different things It should be used To hopefully confirm what you see On film in the player And then, you know, it's certainly an opportunity For guys that are under the radar from some Of the smaller schools and non-Power 5 Conference teams to show up And make a name For themselves in some of the testing drills But You know, look, it is just merely one of several tools. Certainly the interviews are important. You get to maybe know a player a little bit during the week. Um, But, I mean, look, you know, beware the tale of Mike Mamula, right? I mean, it's probably 20 years ago now. You know, unheralded to a certain degree, defensive end out of Boston College, Showed up at the combine, tested out of the, uh, uh, you know, through the roof. You know, was way overdrafted and never had much of an NFL career. You know, the flip side of that coin is, is look at Orlando Brown. Offensive tackle out of Oklahoma last year. Guy's a monster. Played great at Oklahoma. You know, one of the best offenses in, in, in all of college football son of former offensive lineman, also Orlando Zeus Brown, who sadly passed away, uh, played for the Browns, and then the Ravens after they moved from Cleveland and became the Ravens. And the Ravens drafted him in the third round. He had a terrible combine from a testing standpoint. You know, He ran a slow 40. He's 340 pounds in an offensive lineman. Who gives a rat's ass what an offensive lineman runs in the 40? I mean, if you have a left tackle that runs a decent time, I mean, I guess that's nice. You know, it's nice to be athletic. You like a guy to have good feet, I guess. But speed and good feet are are two different things, first of all. And, you know, yeah, he didn't bench that much. It could be somewhat problematic for an offensive lineman. Again, watch the film. Did you watch anybody run over Orlando Brown last year in college? No. He didn't get knocked on his back. So, I mean, who cares? And the Ravens drafted him the third round. And guess what? After the right tackle got hurt, he, he filled in and filled in very well and was highly rated. So I mean remember Bruce Campbell No offense he's a Maryland guy But I mean he ran He he tested through the roof A few years back at the Combine Raiders of course drafted him And you know the the sad fact was He wasn't a very good offensive lineman And he never really made it in the NFL So I mean let's not get carried away here with, With you know The 40 I mean everybody likes to watch Look for a DB 40 times matter They do it's not the end all be all but it matters now if you run a 4-3 but you can't cover because you have tight hips and you can't turn and run with a guy you have no ball skills you can't track the ball in the air I mean you know look NFL teams are always going to bet on speed because they're always going to feel that they can coach these guys up but you know I'll say it again Cam, Chan- Chan- Cam Chancellor now granted he's 230 pounds in his safety but he ran four six five at the combine maybe even slower than that didn't hurt him Richard Sherman ran 4-6 Uh, Josh Norman, who is not nearly as good as he thinks he is, but is still a decent player, ran 4-6. Tease Tabor also ran a bad 40 time, and it hurt him. Joe Hayden ran a bad 40, and and, and it hurt him in the sense that he's been awful in his first two years for the Lions. So sometimes it does matter. I'm not saying it never matters, but it's not the end-all be-all. So, you know, if you're watching this, when they want, if you're going to watch the DBs, watch them in the drills. How do they move? Can they flip their hips? Can they turn and run? Can they track the ball in the air? Do they have good hands? That's what you want to watch. You want to watch the three-cone drill because that tests agility. See how the guy's doing that. You know, the high jump is nice, whatever. Broad jump, I guess, supposedly tests explosiveness. Watch the film. Watch what guy's do when They got the pads on and they're in competition. I mean, listen, I'm not comparing myself to a professional football player, but I played football, and I can tell you that I was always much better in games than I was in practice. You just, you're just amped up more. Beware the guy that's great in practice, by the way. So, you know, with the offensive linemen, you know, you want to watch those drills where they go over the bags, and you want to see if, if they've got good feet, particularly for the tackles, Right. Particularly your left tackle. You, you want your left tackle to have good feet. Be able to move and slide, and kick step, and keep guys in front of them. I mean, you want it for your right tackle, too. You know, that's what's important. Linebackers, how do they move? How do they do in those bag drills? Right? Are they getting their feet all twisted around? Or can they shuffle side to side, particularly for your middle linebacker, where you want to be able to shuffle side to side and get through the trash and make plays sideline to sideline, right? Can they do that with their head up, or they got to look down? Because then that's a problem. That's what you want to watch for. And yes, of course, everybody likes to watch the 40. I I watch it too, especially for DBs, running backs, and wide receivers. But again, same thing. I mean, running backs, yeah, great 40 time is nice. You know, Emmitt Smith ran 4-6. You know? There's plenty of guys... That run fast 40 times are not good running backs And there's plenty of guys that run Not great pedestrian 40 times That turn out to be great running backs Being a running back is a lot more than a 40 time Vision, cutting ability Finishing runs Breaking tackles Feel So It'll be interesting I mean I'll, I'll listen I'm, I'm certainly going to watch some of it um, We'll get into more draft stuff later But that, that's all I wanted to talk about there And then finally We'll finish up the show with some NBA so we're back from the All-Star break. Now the NBA does this idiotic thing where you play practically two-thirds of the season. Then they do the All-Star break. Then, you know, I mean, if the NBA doesn't in- perfectly encapsulate the entitled millennial generation, <laughs> I don't know what does. Like, let's 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 give them about a week and a half off for an All-Star break now, all of a sudden, right? Because, oh, it's, it's such a taxing year. Um, so silly. But anyway, uh, back from the All-Star break and... We can talk about the Knicks first. Finally, finally, you're seeing some progress and improvement with the Knicks, particularly with players that are going to be part of the core moving forward, and most notably Mitchell Robinson. Now, I talked about him in the summer after I watched some summer league games. I said, this guy is DeAndre Jordan at worst. He's going to be a, 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 a turn into a DeAndre Jordan. Well, uh, apparently the Knicks... Uh, and I think the same way Because they Knicks traded for DeAndre Jordan And one of the reasons why Is because they want him to mentor Mitchell Robinson And so far so good Because Mitchell Robinson has back-to-back double-doubles Last night in a comeback win against the Magic Who were vying for the 8th spot 8th uh, playoff seed in the, in the wretched Eastern Conference um, He had 17 points 14 rebounds and 6 block shots And I think the game befo- And 3 steals and the game before, I think he had 14 points and 15 rebounds and five block shots. I mean, he's been tremendous. Tremendous. And he scores all his points on alley-oop dunks, just like DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he's improving from the foul line, uh, and his ability to block shots is uncanny. I mean, he, he can block with both hands. He's particularly adept at blocking with his left hand. He blocks. I've seen him block on several occasions now three-point attempts without fouling guys, which is very hard to do, even though he's about seven foot. Um, now look, he's still got a long ways to go But remember, this guy didn't play basketball last year He didn't play college right? Took a year off He's, what, I think 19, 20 years old I mean, there's so much to work with here The Knicks have themselves a real diamond in the rough with this kid And it's great to see him taking some strides And improving as the season goes on The other guy I have to say is Moutier I mean, Moutier was seriously improved this year Fisdale, to his credit couple of things I haven't loved about Fizdale this year. i got to give him credit for Moutier. He said at his press conference, we're going to get you right. Remember, this guy was a lottery pick just three years ago. Looked Didn't look very good when the Knicks got him last year at the trade deadline. Has played very well this year. And he had a nice game again off the bench last night with 19 points. Now, he was playing well, got hurt, but has, hasn't missed a beat since he came back off the injured list. Unlike Alonzo Trier, who looked horrible when he came off the injured list, but has played really well lately. Although my man has never seen a shot he didn't like. He really needs to start sharing the ball more. I mean, he is such a ball hawk. It's insane. Um, hopefully, I, I would imagine the Knicks coaches are in his ear about that. Um, you know, Kevin Knox, he's even he had a horrible night last night, 3 for 16. But uh, he had a double-double uh, the game before against the Spurs. So you're seeing some signs of the young guys improving as the season goes on. I mean, look, again, it's never been about the results and wins and losses for me this year with the Knicks. Is Do they show signs of improvement? And for the longest time, they didn't really show any. Again, a couple of individual guys here or there, but not nearly enough from a team standpoint. Now you're seeing them get a little bit better on defense. You know, I think they, they held Orlando, to, uh, uh, you know, in the low hundreds last night, which in today's NBA is very good. They played well against the Spurs. Now, look, the Spurs are not. This is not a vintage Spurs team. They're still good. They're above 500, um, and you know they're one of they they're 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 sort of the hallmark uh, of a franchise in the NBA. I mean, what they've had winning seasons for 20 years in a row. I think last year was the first year they hadn't won 50 games in like 18 years. Uh, I mean, they're they're the gold standard in the NBA. I mean, I know right now everybody loves the Warriors and rightfully so because they're the most recent champs. But in the last 20 years, the gold standard in the NBA is the Spurs. So even though the Spurs aren't vintage Spurs this year, uh, a Knicks win over the Spurs is still somewhat impressive. Now the Nets beat them up pretty well the next the next night too. Not surprising, back to backs always very tough in the NBA. Um, so look, at least the Knicks are showing some signs with the right players. You know, nobody cares if Lance Thomas has a good game because he's not part of the future, right? Nobody cares if uh, you know, Well, I guess you know the rest of the guy. A lot of the guys on this team now. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. He's a tough. That's going to be a tough call. I mean, again, he's 21 and the athleticism is through the roof. But you know, he's another one. I mean, he had a great game against the Spurs. Uh, where I think he had 19 points, 13 assists, and no turnovers. And then last night, he was back to being pretty pretty sloppy with the ball, and Fisdale, to his credit, benched him and left him on the bench when the Knicks made their comeback because Moutier was playing better. So, you know, they, he's that, that's a tough decision because, look, the Knicks are going to have enough for two max contracts. Now, if I were the Knicks, I wouldn't touch Kyrie Irving with a 10-foot pole. Wouldn't touch him. I want no part of that Little punk on this team None whatsoever He's a sourpuss All he does is grouse Over there in Boston He tries to pretend He's the leader He's not uh, I get the impression They can't stand Playing with him That team looked Much happier Playing without him Last year With Rogier Leading them a point guard I want no part of Kyrie Irving on this team None Not saying he's not a good player He's a very good player Don't want him on the Knicks The Knicks are going to Sign a free agent point guard Get me Kemba Walker Guy Loves playing in the garden from his days at UConn. Is he as good as Kyrie Irving? No, he's not. But he's a really good player also. He can has he has point he has times when he is unconscious. I saw him do it against the Nets the other night. Nets got a 16-point lead against the Hornets. Then Kemba, who had a terrible first half, got hot as hell in the third quarter, gave the Hornets a lead, and then to the Nets' credit, and D'Angelo Russell in particular came back. And won the game It was a very good win For them And then they beat The Spurs the next game By the way The Nets Again So much fun to watch Really getting into them And listen Talking about Dennis Smith Jr The the Nets Need look no further Than across the river At their brethren Over there in Brooklyn And D'Angelo Russell This is a guy That I thought Should be out of the NBA Right He was the third pick In the draft What only two years ago Three years ago with L.A., looked like a clown, knucklehead, didn't play particularly well, didn't give the Nets much to, to, to think about last year. Uh, apparently, he needs to be coached hard. Kenny Atkinson has done that. Um, I mean, he saved the Nets' bacon against the Hornets. He was unbelievable. Made he, he and, and again, he was having a horrible game, and then he went absolutely nuts in the late in the fourth quarter and then in overtime and basically put the Nets on his back and got them a win. He's played great this year. And again, it just goes to show you, it's so hard in the NBA with these players to make proper evaluations in one or two years, because they're all so young when they come into the league. These guys are 19 years old coming into the league, 20 years old. They, you, know, you don't know anything at that age. I know I didn't know a damn thing, especially now, in retrospect, yeah, you think you're working hard, you're practicing hard, you're probably really not. And think about it. Think about being a 19, 20-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, and making millions of dollars. I mean, you, you show up to practice on time. You you know, you know, think you're putting in the work. But, you, you know, look, it takes more than that. You got to probably do extra. And these guys don't get it right away. And it's very easy to understand that they don't get it. Not everybody's fucking crazy, laser-focused like LeBron James at an early age. So, you know, with the Knicks and Dennis Smith Jr., I, I, listen, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I may not be that quick to give up on the kid. And these last 20 games is probably not enough of his sample size either way. I mean, if he plays great, of course, you're more inclined to think he's the answer. But if he plays poorly or is inconsistent, which is probably the most likely scenario, uh, I don't know. It's a tough call. Again, D'Angelo Russell is a perfect example. I mean, he looked like he was headed to being out of on his way out of the league and being one of the all-time busts, and now he's a great feel-good story for the Nets and is carrying that team. So be careful what you wish for. You gotta you, you gotta be patient with these guys. I know it's hard, but you gotta be patient. By the way, just a quick side note, uh, the Knicks got rid of Ennis Cantor, which listen, I I, I understand, right? He he was the, look he was their best player what what irritated me about the way the Knicks handled the Canter thing is they try to pretend all oh, his defense is defense uh, it's funny he, the Portland picked him up who's a much better team than the Knicks obviously Portland is 37 and 23 they're 3 and 0 since they got him his first game gave him a double double like he always does off the bench he he's been a, a massive boost to that team off the bench i mean their starting center uh Nurkic is great i mean he's great He's like a triple double. Him and uh, the center for the uh, why can't I um, center for the, the Nuggets also is a triple double almost every night. Why can't I remember his name now? I keep getting them confused. It's Yusef Nurkic and Nikola. Now I'm gonna have to look it up. But anyway, let me just give you Nurkic's numbers on the year because they're tremendous. He's averaging 15 points. Ten rebounds. And oh, okay. Only three. Only th- not only, but three assists a game. Which for a center is pretty good. But now they've got Cantor to give them some nice minutes off the bench. And again, the guy's a double-double machine. And one of the best low low post scorers in the league. And I understand everybody loves the three now. Nobody likes anybody shooting, you know, God forbid you, you have a low post move, but the Blazers seem to be okay with it. So, look, they're, they're not going to get out of the West. I get it. You know, they're not getting past uh, Golden State. But I'm just glad Cantor, who was a delight to watch as a Knicks fan, wound up with a good team, and at least he'll get a taste of the playoffs again. Um, I'm happy for him. What is wrong with me that... Uh, Oh, yeah, Jokic Nurkic, Jokic, okay Nikola Jokic is the center For the Nuggets Who, by the way, are having a phenomenal year He is averaging close to a triple-double As a center at 7 feet He's averaging 21 points a game 11 rebounds and almost 8 assists per game He's been tremendous this year Guy nobody talks about Because he plays for Denver And, you know, look, people are not You know the, the, The Denver Nuggets just aren't you know they play in the West Coast. Nobody really sees their games, and not on national TV that much. They're having a great year. I mean, they've got the second best record in the West, only behind, only one game behind Golden State. Golden State's forty-three and seventeen. Denver's forty-two and eighteen. So sixty games. So there's only twenty-two games left in the NBA season. By the way, only. I mean, it's still a lot, but uh, we're coming down the home stretch here. Um, but I mean, look at the East. I mean, Milwaukee's got the best record in, in basketball, by the way. And they had very nice pickup getting uh, Miritich from New Orleans. That's going to really help their bench. Good scorer, big man off the bench. But, you know, Giannis is probably the MVP right now. Uh, they're 46 and 14. Toronto, 45 and 17. Got Marcus Saul. Nice pickup there. Indiana inexplicably, 40 and 21 You know, everybody pretty much gave them up for dead after Oladipo got hurt and they've still played very well. The Sixers, 39-22, Embiid is out now for a little while. That bears watching since he's, you know, uh, early in his career, could never stay healthy. They're the Celtics at 37-24. I mean, they, they, they're, you know, listen, I get it. They're 13 games over 500. They're a little bit of a mess right now. I mean, look, they got blown out by Toronto last night. Brad Stevens said, you know, we're not locking in on defense. They asked Kyrie Irving, do you agree? That's his opinion. Mark, uh, um, what's his name? Marcus Smart, you know, is kind of the glue guy on that team, you know, said, you know, no, we're not on the same page. They asked Kyrie Irving, that's his opinion. Terse one word answers. You know, he's always got something to say. He's always like tweak guys, you know. And then the other day he's like, "Oh, I'm not worried about the regular season postseason. Why? Cuz I'm here." You know, you know what? Listen, they made it to the conference finals without you last year. And 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 you and they didn't not get over the hump against Cleveland because Kyrie Irving wasn't there. That wasn't the reason. So, uh they're thirty-seven. The Nets are in sixth place at thirty-two and thirty. You know, so they're six right now. They play Indiana, who's the third spot. I thought the Nets have a nice chance to beat Indiana. I'm not so sure right now. it's interesting. It's funny about the Nets. They almost have too much talent now on that team because now that Karis LeVert's back. You know, they're trying to incorporate him into the backcourt with Russell. And look, they're both very good players, but it's going to take a little time. Now LaVert looked much better Against the Spurs the other night I mean look The fact that he's even back Is a miracle After that injury With that gruesome ankle injury He thought he might be done For the year So It's nice to have him back But you know Joe Harris has played Very well for them They kind of play him At small forward He's not really a small forward My man Jared Allen The fro He's been fantastic He basically looks like A cross between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar In Game of Death The Bruce Lee movie And Jim Kelly From Enter the Dragon Also in a Bruce Lee movie when he's got he wears the, the headband with the with the the tied around headband and the huge afro. And he's a ton of fun to watch. I'm telling you, the Nets are so much fun right now. But the Nets gotta kind of incorporate and, and if Dinwiddie comes back, he's a guard who also needs the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, Kenny Atkinson's gonna have to make those pieces work. But the good news is they've got the Nets have talent now a talented team. I mean, the fact that Rondae Hollis-Jefferson is not great, but, you know, who was a lottery pick for them and was considered supposedly one of their better players. He doesn't even play much for them anymore, if at all, on some nights. I mean, Ed Davis has basically supplanted him, and he should. Ed Davis give you a rebound a minute, basically. If Ed Davis plays 15 minutes, you're going to get 10 rebounds out of that guy. He's unbelievable. And he's a good glue guy. Sets screens, offensive rebound, plays defense, good guy to have on the team. Um, so, Nets certainly, I think, still could beat the, the Pacers. They're probably going to stay, stay in the sixth spot. I mean, the Pistons are behind them at twenty nine and thirty, so there's, there's still a long ways to go here. And then Charlotte at twenty eight and thirty two, four games under five hundred, is the eighth seed. And then the Magic who are six games under five hundred at twenty eight and thirty four, still very much alive and in the mix. I guess you could say the Heat are two at twenty six and thirty three. I mean, think how pathetic is that? The Heat are seven games under five hundred. And they're still alive for a playoff spot. I mean, the the Eastern Conference is garbage. It's garbage. I mean, the the, the entire South Conference in the East is under five hundred. Charlotte's in first place at twenty eight and thirty two. The Magic are twenty eight and thirty four. Miami's 26-33, and 33, and the Wizards are 12 games under, and the Hawks are 20-41. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. And then you've got you know, the tanking teams with the Knicks, the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Hawks. The Hawks have 20 wins. Knicks have 13, Cavs have 14, and Bulls have 16. I mean, it's embarrassing. Now, the real question out in the West is are the Lakers going to make the playoffs? Because right now they'd be out, and you know I, I see LeBron said he's activated, whatever that means, <laughs> uh, to make a playoff push. And look, here, here's here's the problem right now for the Lakers. Uh, they're tied with Minnesota at 29 and 31. On the outside looking in, the Kings are ahead of them at 31 and 29. The Spurs right now are in eighth place at 33 and 29. The Clippers are in seventh place at 34 and 28. Now, the Clippers, you know, they traded their best player, Tobias Harris. It's not a great team. They certainly could come back to the pack. But Sacramento is a team on the on the ascent. And they've played very well. They took the Warriors to the wire the other night. Really, maybe should have won that game. Um, and the Kings hate the Lakers. So they are going to do everything in their power to make the playoffs. I mean, look, they traded for Harrison Barnes. Not that he's great, but that's a, that, But they traded Justin Jackson, who was a rookie last year out of North Carolina, who I like, which indicates that they are trying to make the playoffs. And the backcourt with Fox and Held has played very well. Collie Stein has played better for them. Bogdanovich, I mean, they, they've got some pieces. Marvin Bagley Jr., the third, starting to pick it up for them. Sacramento's pretty good. Now, look, the Lakers with LeBron, Kuzma, and uh, What's his face? The, the, the tattooed skinny kid Beanpole From Duke uh, Brandon Ingram I mean don't, you know, that, that three Plus Rondo Which I don't understand why Rondo's coming off the bench for them by the way I mean I, I, can, we, can we knock it off with this Reggie Bullock nonsense already? Did you, you, they just traded for I mean, unless Rondo, they're still trying to work him back into shape coming off the injury. I mean, Rondo needs to start for that team. You would think with Rondo, James, Kuzma, and Ingram, who's played well. i got to give him credit. He's played well. I mean, that should be enough to get him over the hump and get into the eighth spot. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, look, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs in LeBron James's first year with Magic Johnson there and all the hype and hoopla around that team, that's going to be a, a patent disaster. I mean, this is going to be an unmitigated failure. So, that certainly bears watching. Now, I'm going to say I think they figure out a way to get it done. Right now it does not look promising. I mean, they they got blown out by they've they've had bad losses to the Hawks, the Pelicans, which look, I understand all the all the drama with is Anthony Davis going to get traded to the Lakers? And they were going to trade half their team. You know what? That was two, three weeks ago. You guys got to get over it. And actually, the guys that were rumored to be in that trade are Ingram and Kuzma, both to their credit, play pretty well. So, you know, something's wrong there. Something's not clicking. They're not playing any defense. You know, they traded for Tyson Chandler, who certainly passed his prime, but you th- thought would still give you some decent minutes on defense. Rondo's a good defensive player. Something's going on there. Um, you know, but... As LeBron accurately pointed out if, you, if you're going to play for the Lakers And you're not going to be able to deal with distractions And maybe this isn't a place for you He's right Because even when things are going well for the Lakers There's always going to be a ton of attention paid to them So, you know, look I think they still have enough on that team to get it done uh, Sacramento is a young team Not that the Lakers aren't Lakers are very young as well But they have LeBron, Sacramento doesn't I'm going to say the Lakers eke their way into the 8th spot all right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. Check us out on SoundCloud, on iTunes. The website is JamalAboutSports.com. The Facebook page is Jamal About Sports. Twitter handle at Jamal About Sport No S, and Instagram Jamal About Sports. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the sports. We'll be back. I'm not sure when, but probably next week. We'll do some more NBA, some more Major League Baseball spring training, maybe a little we'll talk about some guys we like at the combine so we'll be back with another show next week until then thanks for listening and peace out